0: This is On Being's Unheard Cut. I'm Krista Tippett. You're listening to my unedited conversation with musician Bobby McFerrin. I spoke with him on April twenty second, 2011, from Orchestra Hall in Minneapolis. This interview is included in our show, Catching Song. Download the MP3 of that produced show at onbeing.org. In Paris, right?
1: That's true.
0: Yeah?
1: It's, 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And where are you living now? Philadelphia?
1: Philadelphia.
0: Do yeah. you like it?
1: Very much. I love where I live. We have a an old farmhouse in the woods, so it's very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. Nothing but wind and, you know. Phil-
0: Philadelphia is such a funky city. So it's completely a nice place. itself.
1: It is indeed. Yeah, and we found this house in the, in the northwest corner of the city.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Is it what's do you
1: know Philadelphia so, a little, little bit Chestnut Hill Yeah Yeah it's near there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Oh, we move these the- Thank
0: you. <laughs> can we go ahead and start? Do we have to wait for four okay. fifteen? Then we can maybe finish a couple minutes early. Okay. Oh, Chris is not here. We need Chris, don't we? Oh, you're there.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Because I don't really want to make small talk. I really want to get into it. Uh,
1: is my microphone where it should be? Did I move it?
2: Uh, balance, yeah. Balance the video with our audio here. Uh,
1: balance the video with audio. Okay, you know what? I should. Is there anything I can put my tea bag um. in?
0: put it right here, where I put mine. Just don't get my cookies
1: wet. Uh, all right. Okay.
0: Thanks, yeah. Oh, but I that think it? I... Okay. i will move it. Have you, have you heard our show? Mm-hmm. Okay. So where I want to start is where I start with everybody, um, even atheist quantum physicists. Um, I just want to hear about uh, the religious or spiritual background of your childhood. Mm. Was there
2: one?
1: Mm-hmm. I attended um, an Episcopal church in Los Angeles. I sang in the um, children's choir. I was an altar boy. Um, I loved the, um, the service. I loved the music. We had a, a wonderful choir director.
0: Did you have an Anglican boys' choir?
1: It wasn't a boys' choir, no, it was a children's choir.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Around the age of 16, I remember that I thought that I wanted to join a monastic order. And uh, I thought about that for maybe a couple of years. And then I thought about the priesthood when I was about 24. Hmm. Um, But... uh, Music had always been a part of my life, and singing at 27 just took over.
0: So. The monastic impulse, mm-hmm. what, what was that about?
1: My love of quiet,
2: mm.
1: you know, that was a big part of it. And and I also liked, the, I think, the discipline of the hours. You know, you get up early in the morning, you have a service, and Few hours later, around nine, you have a service, and then at noon it's a you stop. There's a rhythm yeah. to the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that you stopped whatever you were doing at a particular time, and you reminded yourself, you brought yourself back
2: mm-hmm.
1: to your calling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you brought yourself back to you know the voice of God as well as you could,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and and I really thought that I wanted to share that life
0: that's really interesting and I mean I know there was a musical background to your childhood yeah. your family's musical I was curious I mean your father was a an opera singer mm-hmm. um and a and a great opera singer I did also read that he liked to sing the spirituals
1: oh and he did a fabulous job I haven't heard anyone sing the spirituals as well as my father he really knew how to Find the dirt and the bones
0: mm. and the
2: tunes, you know? well, you
0: know when I was reading that, and I was listening to your music and yeah. thinking about you, I was also thinking how the spirituals are also kind of music that emerged in the thick of the li- in the thick of life, kind of improvisationally, mm-hmm. and then they got carried forward in time in this very organic way i don 't know do you, do you think that was part of? The the formative influences that were there for you.
1: It certainly could have been. Uh, are you talking about improvisationally the way that well, I work, or what? Yeah,
0: I mean, just the spirituals as part of that that musical background, that musical the musical beginnings of your
2: life
1: of my life. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the earliest pieces that I heard. I remember as a kid growing up were the spirituals. Um, my father had the good fortune of being taught how to sing the spirituals by. Paul Johnson, whose mm-hmm. grandmother was a slave and and taught his mother how to sing them correctly. Wow. So he had a genuine feel and understanding of the Negro spiritual and how it was to be sung. I mean, you just can't sing. Um, no harm, no harm, no harm till brother light. You know, you had to mm-hmm. give it a little bit of a swagger to it and bend some of the notes. Uh, I remember uh, going to a choir rehearsal once and and uh, listening to them sing a Negro spiritual, and they and they sang the lyrics. It, it was too straight, so I had to sort of retrain them to think a little bit differently. And it was very... I think some of them were very uncomfortable because it was a white choir. It was all a right. Caucasian choir, you know, and I had to put a little bit of color into them. and And that was, I think, a challenge for all of us, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... You know, I work, in, I work with the human voice in radio. Yeah. And people in radio, um, I mean, I, th- I think a lot about all that the voice can convey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do a lot of my interviews just by ISDN where all I'm working with is the voice. Mm-hmm. And um, people in radio often say that radio is also the most visual medium. Mm. And I think of you as kind of an explorer you know, on, the front, on, on many frontiers of the voice. Mm. How do you think about what, yeah, what the human voice alone can convey? Is that something you ponder in that way?
1: I do. I've thought about that many times. Um, one of the reasons that uh, I enjoy singing songs without words is because it allows the individual hearer, to bring their own story to the sounds mm. that I make. So instead of singing, now, I love songs with words. There are some absolutely fabulous lyricists in the world. And I wish that I had the talent to to convey an emotion or a feeling to someone with the right nuance, you know, using, uh, using words. But somehow I've gotten into conveying emotions through simply sounds, because it affords me the opportunity to to sort of have almost a uh, an individual meeting. You know, like you Mm -hmm. and I, just speaking Mm -hmm. together, just the two of us. Um, If I say, for example oh, I love you so much, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then everyone has the same experience. But if I sing, then everybody has a different experience. They have, you know, to you, I mean, what did that convey? They
0: have the experience that arises in their imagination and their memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. hmm Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, though, is... Um, you're not, you're not you're not I mean, you're you're working with the voice, but it's it's actually your your body, right? That's the instrument. I mean, to say yeah. that it's just the voice in fact is not quite big enough.
1: No. I, I, I get what you're saying. You have to take care of yourself, I think, to sing well mm-hmm. or to be a conveyor of song to catch songs. I like to think of myself as a person who catches pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the songs are are out here and they're just simply waiting for me to reach out for one and grab it and pull it down and and have it come out of my mouth. Uh, I I digress. I don't even remember what your question was. What what, what are we talking about? Um,
0: that actually your instrument is not. Is, is is bigger. It's, the, it's the bigger. It's more than the voice embedded in the larynx. Body. And, you know and also the way, the way a person takes in music lis- just listening to music is very you't just you don't, it just doesn't, doesn't just come through your ears mm. you hear you feel it in your gut you feel it in your nerve endings right it's very It's a very whole body experience although we don't always talk about it that way
1: I remember going to uh, a concert of a big band I don't remember where what the name of the band was, but it was in Los Angeles and i was really getting involved in music and loving music. And I was a student of music. I was a young college student, and I was going out a lot and listening to different groups. And I remember seeing this band play, and the band was wailing, and they were doing a great job. And I was really, really moved by it. And I thought that I had sort of reached the pinnacle of whatever emotion I was feeling at the time when someone all of a sudden in the band stood up and sang. Hmm. And I remember that it took me over the edge. I had almost forgotten... (laughs) i had almost forgotten what the voice could do. But at that moment, I was reminded, you know, as as deeply I, as I had felt this song or this piece that this band had played, it wasn't until this this person got up, you know, stood up, and it was a surprise. It wasn't announced. It wasn't in the program. He stood up and started singing. And I thought, wow, this is even taking me even further than I thought that I could go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the voice is pretty pretty amazing in that sense, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I... So just, I've, I've watched you on stage. Yeah. Again, I've been listening to you now for a couple of days preparing for this. I, I don't know if you can answer this question, but, but a question okay. that rises in my mind is when you're singing, when you're making your music, because yeah. singing is not really, it's a little too small a word also. What does it feel like to be in your skin?
1: Mm. Um, I'm very relaxed on stage. The stage is my second home the stage is a platform for adventure and I'm ready for anything that happens to come up um I feel safe I feel rested I feel um full of potential and opportunity I feel great Mm -hmm. I feel really good that I get to do I get to use my gift um It's very gratifying, you know? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I feel... uh, My father was a humble man. Uh, He was a fabulous singer, but he was very, very humble, and he used to say, you know, God's given me this gift. He's entrusted me with a talent, was what he used to say, Mm -hmm. and it's my job to take care of it. And those words have stuck with me. You know, I feel like that I've been entrusted with a talent. It's my job to take care of it, to do my best, to give the audience my best. And by best, it means... I'm myself, I'm as close to myself as possible, I'm as close to my genuine self. Uh, When I do workshops with students, we talk a lot about performance because they all want to perform and I tell them to do their best not to perform. Um, Simply be themselves, the same voice, Mm -hmm. the same self that they are when they're simply Walking from class to class, or standing in you know line waiting to get on the bus or whatever, and they sing. They sing with total self. They're uh, you know un- they're unconscious of who you know who, of themselves. They're not aware of, of people around them. You know they're singing very very close to themselves. And I try to tell them to try and keep within themselves. You know and sing from that place that's very very safe. It's extremely difficult to do because when you're on stage in front of a lot of people who are looking at you, and you're aware of them, you know, looking at you and thinking about you and listening to you, it's difficult not to perform or to do something that's safe and easy. Uh, and I tell them that uh, um, the best the best way to be genuine and to get their point across is to be as relaxed and as easy going about the whole.
0: Uh, yeah, but as you say, it's kind of a paradox of the human condition, and in some yeah. ways, that's what we all work to do all of our lives: yeah. is just to be
2: ourselves, to be and,
1: ourselves, to be childlike. You yeah. know, Picasso said something about said something like uh, you know he spent his entire career learning how to paint like a child again, or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's very very difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. It uh, it seems to me in some ways that the trajectory of your career. I mean you've done a lot of things. You do mm. a lot of different kinds of music. You you do conduct orchestras with classical music. Yeah. But in some ways um you've moved from <laughs> in some ways you're just f- d- bouncing off that phrase, you know. You've moved from forms and settings. You've kind of done the reverse of how we might talk about growing up. I mean, you've moved away from established forms and mature forms uh into improvisation and spontaneity, or at least incorporated that into kind of, uh, mastery,
2: Hmm.
0: which, uh, in, in a very simple way, in the way we talk about, you know, in the way we look about moving from childhood to adulthood or, you know, from being an amateur to a professional, in some ways you've, you've reversed the logic of that.
1: In what, in in what way do you mean? mean I mean,
0: if, if, if we look at those things simplistically, you know you you um you've moved more and more you've integrated more and more the kind of spontaneity i mean going back to what picasso mm-hmm. said mm-hmm. that we know as children and that we lose and that we lose as we're trained to be professionals you know not just as musicians um
1: this is why i love improvisation and why i think it's important to teach children how to improvise mm-hmm. children of all ages to improvise right um Improvisation basically is simply motion. Um, it pre- it precedes musical knowledge or understanding about anything. It's simply the act, the, the the courageous act of opening up your mouth or putting your fingers on the keyboard or whatever, of opening opening your mouth and simply singing something, and following it. Um, probably the best exercise I can think of is you know to tell my students to. Put on some kind of a timer, set up for 10 minutes. Open up their mouth and sing for 10 minutes. Which it's unbelievable how difficult that is to do for a lot of people. Right. Because somewhere within the first two minutes of this exercise, they're going to start talking to themselves and telling themselves how stupid this is and how dumb it is. And, and uh, they start thinking about how, you know, whether they're singing in tune or not or... Mm-hmm or uh, or how crazy they might be sounding. And I'm glad that there's no one else around to listen to me sing because they think I was crazy and all that kind of stuff. And, and I tell them to fight all the tendencies to stop because you're going to want to. Two minutes into it, three minutes into it, eight minutes into it, mm-hmm. you're going to want to stop. Your entire being, your body is going to be screaming, stop, <laughs> let me off of this, you know. Right. And I say, "No, continue to 10 minutes and do it. Do it every day for about three weeks and see what happens. It's simply motion, just the courage to keep moving, just to keep going. You know uh, What gets in the way is, you know, uh, am I qualified to do this? Do I know enough to do this? Do I sound well enough to do this or whatever? You know? mm. There are all kinds of excuses for you not to, to do it. Improvisation, I think, is so essential to having a, a well-rounded musical life. If I was a a teacher, you know, the kind that sits in a room with a student and, you know, they're learning how to play piano for the first time, before I even showed them a note on the staff, I would say, Okay, let's just let's just improvise. Let's just sit down at the piano and just make up songs. Mm -hmm. And we do that for a week or two. And then I'd show the middle C on the staff. I'd say, Okay, this is a middle C, we're gonna improvise on this one note, just this, you know. And we'll
2: just
1: whatever they want to do, play that Mm-hmm. Then maybe after a couple of days of that, I'll introduce D and we'll improvise on <laughs> C and D and go back and forth, you know. I'll we'll play around with that for a while. And I'll just gradually introduce different elements of music. But it all starts from improvisation.
0: I want to ask you about one of the most overtly religious songs you've done, which was a song,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the, when you set um, Psalm 23rd uh-huh. to music. And um, you dedicated it to your mother. I did it's a beautiful piece of music Thank i know you. i know it it means a lot i, I know it's played often in religious settings and um and you played with the gender right, right. um and i look and looked for uh, if you ever talked about that but i i'd love to hear the story of of that song of that setting
1: i have a group called voice of Strip, uh, which is an an improvisational group and at one of the rehearsals we got in, we were rehearsing at a church. Okay. And we got to talking about the heavy patriarchal element of, you know, religion and all that stuff. And at the time, one of my musical exercises was to write a piece of music first thing in the morning. So I would get up and before I would do anything else. I'd go into my studio and I'd write and, uh, I guess because of this conversation that we had had, you know, at that rehearsal, I thought, well, let me, let me write something with, you know, with the feminine gender. And I, and I wanted to, because when we think about God's love, it should encompass, you know, the mother and father, you know, the feelings of a man, the feelings of a woman. They're different, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so this song just seemed to come out. It, you know, it was based on, you know, the church that I grew up. We they, we had all kinds of chants. There were, you know, chants that were sung by the choir, and this kind of reminded me of an Episcopal chant. You know, the mm-hmm. Episcopal yeah. hymn book. Uh, and I wrote the feminine because I just wanted to remind people that. Um, for a lot of people, you know, when they think of their fathers, some of them might not have had great relationships with their dads. Um, and, and also mothers too, you know, some don't have great relationships with their mothers, but, um, sometimes we forget just the feminine e- element in religious service. And I just wanted to, to bring that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've thought about that a lot too, that We use that metaphor of God as father. God's love is often presented in terms of parental love. Right. But I I think it's a very important point that um, then people translate their own experience of father. Right. Uh And there's something about the the way you did that, just the word she. As you say, it does, um, it brings forth images and associations and emotions from a whole different part of people's
1: experience. You know, I'm married to a wonderful woman and have been for a long time, and I marvel at the way she's able to love our children. You know, men can be a bit reticent or hesitant to show affection to their children, and I'm not. I'm not one of them. But I think... In comparison to my wife, she's just absolutely extraordinary in that mm. in that sense. And uh, who knows? She might have also been a model for me writing the twenty-third psalm. I certainly know my mother was. Did your mother a model like
0: like the the She psalms. loved it. I bet she did.
1: Yeah, she loves it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd; I have all I need. She particularly likes that line. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You work a lot, it seems to me, uh, with, um, I mean, that, that's, that is an overtly, that is a, a, a religious, um, those are religious words. It's mm-hmm. from a religious context. Um, you work a lot with, uh, religious language and religious musicality. Hmm. You know, I was, I, um, in, uh. And you've done this, what did it start as an instant opera on the Tower of Babel? Tower of Babel, yeah. Of Babel, right? Which became something called Babel. Right. Which you performed in 2010 in Moscow. Uh, I've been really intrigued speaking with Muslims in recent years about the musicality of the Quran. Hmm. Uh, You know, they'll say it's not music, but it has musicality.
1: I know exactly what you mean. You know what I mean, and I hear
0: that coming out, and that, and you know, you've got Tibetan throat singing. I mean, other versions of that, of the musicality that's at the heart of these traditions.
1: A couple of things. One, my favorite book in the Bible is the Psalms. Mm -hmm. I go through the Psalms every month. I read, I read Scripture constantly, but the Psalms is like the book that I go to most of the time, because in it is conveyed every human emotion. And what that tells me is that God gets it. He gets us. He understands us perfectly because he, in his book, has included the emotional uh, roller coaster rides that all of us go through. He gets it all. He mm-hmm. understands it all. He can take it.
0: Those angry songs, the cursing songs. He
1: can take it. Right. He can take it. He says, I get you. I understand you. I love you. You know? Um, I was in Italy once sitting at a, a cafe, um, getting ready to get on my bus to catch my plane. And all of a sudden, out of the lobby, I heard one of the most incredible voices I think I'd ever heard from this man singing the top <laughs> of his lungs, the most beautiful song. And uh, he was a musician. He had been there the night before with a band. I can't remember the band that he was with. And, and I said, oh, you must come over and sit down. So he sat down and he had, we had breakfast together. And he began to tell me about his family. Now, his family, he was part of this um, family that where uh, their tradition was to sing through the Quran. Hmm. They sang through it, and they'd been doing it, you know, for like five hundred years or something right. like that. Right. And uh, and I thought, singing through the Quran. He says, "Oh yes." Yeah. So and we we start at the beginning, we go to the end. We have all these scales and. There are all these sort of songs that are attached to certain verses and chapters or whatever, but they sing through it. And, and he grew up in this tradition. Oh my God! I thought, Wow, what would that be like to just to sing through all the psalms? And right. I've attempted You're to right. get to get through them. Well, of course, but monks do that. Maybe <laughs> they, that's something they, they you were attracted to. Yeah, into. right. Yeah. It could be. But I think that's really wonderful. I think that uh, there's there's a lot of music in scripture. A lot of music.
0: Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that you, you said that when you were thinking about the Tower of Babel, that you, you can't you can't believe everything you read.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but maybe so. Maybe you didn't say this, but that um, that you were asking a question about how did we communicate before common languages? Uh, is that how right? How did we communicate? How did before we communicate common before common languages? So this that this, the this, this story of the Tower of Babel is about. Is about language and uh, the disintegration of that and the coming together. So, was that is that not true that you?
1: I don't that you remember asked that question. I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember asking that question. No.
0: Um, well, I do think that that whole that whole that whole question of music and and the deep musicality that's sacred, right? That's there, as you say, in Christianity and Judaism. It's not always in the form of kind of straightforward singing. It's chanting or, right, it's throat singing or it's reciting.
2: It's
1: reciting. Um, I was once given a book by uh, a man who, and I, what's, what's his n- n- name? Um, it'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Uh, in his library, he had, he collected hymn- hymnals. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just thumbing through his library, and I found this one little book called Spiritual Songs. And uh, I opened it, and it was the words to hymns, but not the music. And he was telling me about the tradition in some churches where there's a song leader who sings a melody... And the choir would just simply respond by singing whatever the you know the 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 song leader would uh, sing. All right. So uh, so you have that, and you also have the fact that some of these people had been singing these songs for so long that they didn't need to, they didn't need to put the music in the hymnal because they everybody knew right. everyone knew the hymns. You know. Okay, turn to. Uh, 176, him 176, ah 176, the Lord, da, 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 whatever. Turn to 825, yeah. whatever. Everybody knew all the tunes, you know. So you have that on one hand, and then you also have the improvisational element where the song leader would sing. Oh, Lord, yeah, I follow you with all my heart. Oh, Lord, I follow you with all my heart. You know, they would just make it up on the spot. You're living
0: in Philadelphia now, and I'm just remembering a summer I spent in Philadelphia in a... Uh, what were they? I think they were American? Baptist? It was an African-American it was a congregation... South Philadelphia. Okay. And they just got together. I mean, before church started, I don't know what time church started, eleven or twelve. But you sang. You they sang for you two sang or three and hours. You prayed
1: and and Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. Absolutely. I attended. Just like a, that. Yeah. I attended a church called Zion Baptist Church in Philadelphia for a little while the reason I don't go there often is because the services are all day long. Yeah, because then there's lunch after church.
0: They just stay, there all, church, just right? stay in church
1: <laughs> all day long. And yeah. I had to admire that, you know, because you must definitely feel the spirit when you've been surrounded by these people for, yeah. for so long. But the first few services I attended, I, I realized that before the preacher got up on the pulpit and said, good morning, people, how you doing on this wonderful Sunday morning, you know, God bless y'all, and stuff like that. They had been singing for a good hour. Yeah. You know, a good hour and just praising the Lord and just jumping up and down and having a wonderful old time and feeling the spirit, and, and I thought, oh, that's great. That's what we need. That's what we need. You know, we need to we need to have more of that in our churches. They become a little bit too staid and, mm-hmm. and 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 really kind of boring. You know.
0: I remember talking once to a charismatic uh, sociologist. A charismatic. She was Catholic. She was charismatic, oh, and charismatic. she studied. Oh, She's charismatic Catholic, and she studied charismatic spirituality. And one of the things she was saying about why Pentecostal Christianity is growing so quickly, which it is all over the world,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is because it brings back in this whole-body cathartic
2: Mm. uh,
0: part of religious experience, which through most of human history has been at the heart of it. And I was actually thinking about this when I was listening to to Bobble, Mm -hmm. Um, because you heard that. You heard, um, you heard that, that this human, um, attempt to reach out to grasp, immerse oneself in what is sacred, mm. right, to touch that, to evoke that.
1: And music it's, is such an important yeah. way of getting there. To me, that's why the, just, the, yeah. the, the Psalms, I think is it's not an accident that it's in the very center of the Bible. If you just open it up and you, and you come to the song book, yeah. you know. I've been doing this for a long, long time, singing in front of people and having a great, great time. And, you know, it's one thing when someone says, oh, man, how did you do that? You know, how did you sing two notes at once? And how did you do, you know, technically blah, 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 blah. But I remember so well, you know, I'm reminded why I do what I do. This is why I do what I do. Uh, At the end of concerts, instead of doing an encore, I've sort of turned it up, Uh, I've decided to do um, question and answers, Mm. you know. So we turn on the house lights and I get a chance to see my audience really for the first time. And, you know, let's just hang out. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to ask me? You know, so I get all kinds of questions. And I remember this wonderful woman standing up one day and she said, I feel so good. She said, you made me feel so good, you know, and I, I don't really know what to say other than that. And to me, that's what it's all about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the whole bottom line. That's why I'm a musician, you know.
0: And, you know, and this is connected to what we're talking about. I think um, there are all these these uh, videos on YouTube of you teaching the pentatonic scale to a <laughs> crowd wolf, full of people yeah. at World Science Festival, but it's. So when you perform and when you do something like that you get people singing together. And there's there's something completely elemental and life-giving about that, right? I mean, we don't do that in this culture very often. But when you have the experience you wonder why don't we do that? Why right? don't
2: we? Why
1: don't we sing more often? Yeah. When we want to. You know, I've always believed that, that audiences they they want to sing. They want to do it. You know, people ask, like you, why? How, how do you get people to sing? And I think it's just because they're, they're ready to. They're mm-hmm. ready to. And by now, coming to my concerts, they know they're going to get the opportunity yeah. to sing because yeah. I want them to. To me, the audience is, is what it's all about. You know, and getting an audience to sing is, for me, uh, the high points of my evenings is hearing 3,000 voices, you know, singing with me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're making music together. That's what it's all about.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: in the beginning, yeah, of course, it was all about me and this is what I can do and stuff like that, but you know, it's I guess as you mellow with age or mature with age or whatever, you know, you recognize that your audience is what it's about. You know, it's all about getting them to rem- remember who they are and what they can do. I mean, who hasn't had this fantasy? You go know, you go to a concert, you're listening to this great band. You've got a wonderful voice. <laughs> you know, you, you hear the background singer singing and they're leaving out that one note that you love. And so you sing that third part. You know, mm-hmm. you're sitting in your seat, but you're still singing their part and you wish you were up on stage with them. Or who hasn't had the fantasy of, you know, you're, you're attending a, a symphony orchestra. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8.15. It's 8.30. The conductor hasn't showed up. You know, the, the orchestra personnel walks out on, uh, personal director walks out on stage and says... You know, the conductor can't make it. Is there anyone in the audience who knows tonight's <laughs> program when they lead the orchestra, you know, through Beethoven's Seventh Symphony? Who hasn't had that fantasy that right. all of a sudden you, you've been given the opportunity to direct this great, you know, choir or orchestra or sing background vocals with a really great band? Everyone has had that fantasy, <laughs> you know. So they want to do it. They're ready to go, mm-hmm. you know.
0: This is karaoke. It <laughs> karaoke. Um, yeah. What is it? If I ask you, you know, if you think about, what, is, what does that teach you? What do you take from that about like what, what makes us human or the nature of God? Because there, there is something, if for some, it's rare, but it's also completely essential. When you experience, you, it's completely essential. singing together.
1: Singing together. It's essential for me because I grew up in a house full of singers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There was singing in my house going on all the time. It was very, very natural. Uh, my parents, both my parents were voice teachers, so they were students traipsing in and out of the house all day long. Um, when my father made his debut at the Met in 1955, the entire sort of uh, African-American classical community would come by the house to congratulate my dad, you know? And there would always be singers in the house having sort of like singing parties. Mm-hmm. My mother was the soprano soloist at, at the church that I grew up in. Um... So there was singing, singing, singing going on all the time. To me, it was—it's very, very natural for me to break out into song because I do it all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's just the way I grew up, and so it's always—it's—I'm a bit stymied by uh, sort of the lack of, of, or the lack of desire from and from an audience. Well, no, that's not what I want to say. That's not what I want to say. What I want to say is. I don't understand how a performer and I don't like that I, I use that word sparingly because okay. I don't like to think of myself as one, but isn't it about getting the audience? Isn't it about the audience more than themselves? Isn't that what it's about? You know? I've been trying to think of ways to get an audience to sing even more than I've allowed them to in the past. You know, how can I really make them the band? You know, because I think it's so important. What this woman said the other day, she says, I really feel great now. You know, this is what I want everyone to experience when, at the end of my concert. Is Everyone has, uh, has this sense of rejoicing or joy, yeah. you know, because I want everyone to feel joy at the end of a concert. Not, I don't want them to be blown away mm-hmm. by what I do. I want them to have this sense of real, real joy from the depths of their being. That's what it's all about. Because I think when you take them to that place, then you introduce, you open up a place where grace can come in, you know. Uh,
0: can you explain why, why music does that? Why singing?
1: Oh gosh, that isn't that a wonderful thing? It is a wonderful thing. Um, what music can do. There have been nights when I've walked on stage and I have felt absolutely awful just terrible, you know, physically, you know, ill, raging headache or or something, you know. And at the end of a concert, you know, I'm 70% healed. You know, the headache is, <laughs> right. is like gone away. Or there have been nights when I've emotionally been just maybe a little bit off. Maybe I've had an argument with someone or a misunderstanding with one of my children or something like that, you know, and I walk on stage and I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, blah, 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 you know fists clenched and just sort of, you know, just hot, you know, and within a minute, you know, I'm open, I'm happy, uh, I'm, I've cooled off. I I think the best way to sort of deal with, uh, temptation is to actually sing, you know?
2: Really? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If you're, if you're like tempted to say the wrong thing or... Or whatever, you know, to open up your mouth and start singing is a great way to deflect
2: wow. negative
1: emotions. I think wow. it's a really good way to feed yourself some positive.
0: Singing as an ethical discipline. There you go.
1: <laughs> and why not? Yeah.
0: So in, in a lot of meditative traditions, um, th- there's this core insight that the breath unites mind and body hmm. and spirit I mean, you work, I mean, and, and voice singing is also a lot about breath, right? Yeah. Especially the way you do it. Um, I, was, I was just kind of mulling over that again. It's not, so, so what it, where this took me when I was thinking about you is uh, it also seems like the voice, which makes sense because mm-hmm. it's an extension of breath in many ways, also has, does this organic thing of. Getting us into alignment somehow, bringing mind and body yeah. and...
1: I, at one point, uh, attempted to practice uh, a, some kind of uh, Buddhist breathing discipline, you know, watching my breath, you know, just simply watching it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough for me, you know. Um, but when I started singing to me that's what was missing you know watching my breath was one thing watching a sound is another watching a sound on a breath is another thing altogether mm. and and I've pretty much kept up that discipline even now when I'm on stage I watch what comes out I hear it but I also watch to see I mean you can imagine notes coming out of your mouth you can imagine that when you sing just like you can, can imagine words you know I love you. You can imagine that. Yeah. You know? Um, and sounds, you can also imagine sound coming out of your mouth. So I like to think of sound coming out, going out, surrounding the room that I'm in, you know, surrounding myself, surrounding people.
0: What did you say also? Sound, you can watch sound and watch sound on a breath. Did you say watch that?
1: Watch sound on a breath, mm-hmm.
0: yes. I mean, can you, uh, can you, um, can you show me that? Is that, can I hear what it, is every sound, every sound is writing on a breath, I guess. It is. But are some of them writing more differently on breaths?
1: Um, It depends on how you breathe, I guess. I I guess it depends on what kind of rhythmic or what kind of an an effect you might be looking for on mm -hmm. a breath.
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: I don't know if I I can actually show you that.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mean that when you're singing, though, you're, I mean that—that's interesting. So you're you're watching the this the sound like you might watch the breath in meditation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening, and you're paying attention to it at and the same time. Paying attention to it. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: you're simply watching it come out. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say, in the very beginning, I didn't understand that, and I wasn't doing that. That came over time. You know, like you know, when you do something, any activity, over and over and over again. You've been doing these interviews for for years now, and you know and. And you, you don't even think about them, I guess, anymore. I guess you, you certainly do your research. I mean, we do our research. And yeah,
0: we, but it's different every time, right? It's different every time, And yeah. every time, it's risky. You don't know, you don't know what will happen. That's I mean, right. just knowing the techniques doesn't control the experience. That's and right. you don't even want the experience controlled.
1: You know, um, I spend a lot of time, well, quite a bit of time, working with a pianist by the name of Chick Corea. And a few months ago, he was playing at a club called The Blue Note in New York City, with Roy Haynes on drums. I can't remember who else was in the band. Um, and I couldn't attend the gig, so he invited me to the soundcheck. So I just went to the soundcheck, and I'm sitting in the club, and he's playing. And the thing that struck me was the ease in which he played. He's, you know, he's at that point, and all musicians want this. They want to get to the point where they don't think. They don't have to think any more about their technique. Mm-hmm. They simply have it. It's not something they struggle to get You know, anymore. They've got it. You know, they're not conscious of themselves playing. They just play. You know, they're not thinking about playing. They're just playing. And it's taken me a long, long, long time to get there. I started singing at 27. I'm 61. And now I can say that I've gotten to the point where I don't even think about singing. I just sing. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: it just comes out. Um, There used to be a point where I would be afraid of making mistakes. I'm no longer afraid of making mistakes. I make them every night during a performance. Something happens. I meant for my voice to go right, and it went left instead. I meant for my voice to go up, and it goes down. You know, and Wherever my voice goes, wherever it takes me, I just follow it. I just watch it. It leads me to whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, I trust it. I
0: think you need to change tapes, right? Okay. Quickly. Change tapes. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Is this okay? This is fine. All right. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think actually doing an interview is like improvisation.
1: It is improvisation, sure. Yeah. He expects one thing and something else happens. You know, that's.
0: Well, then you get ready, but then you need to follow what happens too and let go. Yeah. That's the creative edge. <laughs> That's the
1: creative edge. Do you play anything? Do you sing?
0: I do sing. Yeah. I sang a lot growing up. I grew up Southern Baptist, and uh, singing was such a huge part of it. Right? I sang solos in church, mm. and it's you were talking about this moment. Those songs I sang growing up. My grandfather was a preacher. Mm. In so was my me, grandfather. Right they're in me.
1: Yeah, my grandfather was a Baptist minister.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I do my children. I'm not passing. They're not. They're not growing up in a church like that. Mm, yeah. And I have some grief about that. I mean, I, I it, almost everything else about the churches I grew up in. Um. I don't. I don't wish that for them mm-hmm. but i wish that and, it, and but the music is inextricable from it and mm. i can't i can't just or i haven't found a way mm. maybe i haven't tried hard enough to to offer that to them
2: yeah i understand and
0: that's a beautiful thing
2: yeah
0: yeah i did actually want to ask you uh, i remember when my kids were little mm-hmm. it was around the time that your hush album came out and i remember dancing and singing around the house with that with that and i was wondering um, when your children came into your trajectory, into your life and your musical life, and and how that uh, changed you, or how that... Did did that affect
2: things?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you can't have children without them affecting just about everything yeah. that happens to you. I sang to each one of my children in the ballet. Um, certainly, we were going to concerts when, you know, Deb was pregnant and all. We would... You know, be going to concerts and whatever, so they certainly heard a lot of music before they even came out yeah um, i was I was more conscious about my responsibility of just doing my best to get home and be a father as much as possible, uh which was very difficult in the beginning, you know, when you're building a career and all mm-hmm. but um I wanted to be home all the time, you know, I, I hated missing out on everything. You know, when they're under a year, you know, they change so much in a week, in a mm-hmm. day, you know, I'd go mm-hmm. away for five days and come back. This and,
0: constant metamorphosis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, it yeah. would just blow me
1: away how much they'd changed in just, you know, five, six, seven days. I just wanted to be home. I wanted to read stories you know be the tickle monster. Mm-hmm. Uh and I loved reading stories to them because I'd love you know playing all the characters, you know, and changing my <laughs> voice and, right, which you, you do know, on stage too. And 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 any maybe little musical interlude here and there and, and uh, I loved that. Mm-hmm. My daughter, um, in fact, I think my daughter in particular who's the youngest, she's 19. She would have me over at her, you know, coming to her classes to read stories to the children because she had had so much fun. She had had a lot of fun with me reading stories to her. She wanted...
0: I imagine it was more like musical theater, though, than just well, <laughs> I loved, reading stories. I
1: loved reading stories to mm-hmm. the children and, and finding the right book and, you know, putting on the right voice to tell a particular story. It was so wonderful for me. I loved it <laughs> You
0: know. um, but, you know, I think for a lot of us, it's when we, especially when our children are little, they reintroduce us to play. Oh, There's so do. much play. Your music is so playful, so much of it. And you, that was probably true of you before your children. Yeah, I was going to say children, my wife,
1: if she was here, she would probably say, oh, he was always playful <laughs> good. He's, he's always playful and, you know, goofing off.
0: Yeah, it. but I i I wonder if you if you also i guess I have the experience that you part of your talent again also in your calling is that you also you you draw that out of <laughs> sober adults right?
1: i hope so I hope I do yeah indeed um I have a lot of fun with kids um, one. Once I was invited to a classroom, I think of first graders. So everyone's about, what, six, seven years old, something like that? And, you know, I walked in, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, the teacher had written his name on the blackboard. And I remember I found his name really, really interesting, whatever it was. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's make up a song with your teacher's name. And so we made up this sort of basic song very, very simple verse for them to sing. And then I would have each one step out and sort of make up a verse. And we would write the verse on the, you know, something about their teacher that they they thought was interesting, whatever that was. Mr. So-and-so wears blue ties to school every day. So blue ties. (laughs) So-and-so eats his lunch in his car, you know, eats his lunch in his car. We wrote that down. So by the end of this 30-minute period, we had made up this song about the teacher with all these verses. And I think we might have even thrown a couple of dance steps in there or something like that. <laughs> right. But, you know, I never really know. Believe it or not, you know, working for young children kind of scares me a little bit because they're just so, so free and so, so just open, Mm. you know, to everything really open, you know, and I envy that and I'm, and I'm trying to get back there, but you know, they can be a little bit intimidating when you, you know, you, you want to try and keep their attention, keep them engaged, you know, because they can get a little bit out there and, and, and away from you, you know, they, they, they get distracted. Uh, so it's very, very challenging. And when I was working with the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, you know, we would do these, these, uh, We'd go to schools and give these performances, and it's one thing to say, yes, and now we're going to play this piece by so-and-so, and and then we play the piece, blah, blah, blah. But I'd have the kids, you know, conducting the orchestra. I'd have them dancing, you know. We walked into a classroom once, and they had these paintings all over the walls, you know. And I'd say to the orchestra, okay, see that painting over there? Let's play that painting. And so we would play that painting. And let's let's play this painting. So they would play that painting. I just love whatever comes up. You know, just take a chance that it's going to work itself out. You see, that's the thing. You just have to sort of take a chance it's going to work out. People won't improvise because they think they're going to fall flat on their face and it's just not going to work out. But Mm -hmm. you have to trust that it will, you know. And with kids, they just trust that it's going to work out.
0: Mm -hmm. So much of what you say about what you've learned about music is also just true of life, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the challenge of just being yourself, the reality that you will make mistakes and that it's...
1: Oh, my goodness, yes, of course. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's all about that. You know, if you can't play with four strings, play with three. Um, that's what it is. If, 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 <laughs> if you've got a guitar with only one string on it, then play a one-string guitar. But, you know, you just use what you have and 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 do your best um, and there you have it
2: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever think about what what is it about you that made you that 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 has allowed you to inhabit music like this and and really as a what did I say? You're, what I say at the beginning, I, I thought of you as a, an explorer on the frontier of music, but it's also as music as a as a human frontier. You know what I'm and saying? And
1: what was the question? What makes me?
0: Yeah. What is it? Mm.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. The first thing that came to my mind was watching my father give voice lessons. Very passionate man, very dedicated to his craft, and expected you to be the same. He he nowadays, I guess. It, would be considered, uh, not politically incorrect, but he wasn't afraid. He wasn't one of these teachers that says, oh, wasn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? You're really fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Now let's do it again, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He, would, he would just let you have it, say, oh, that wasn't good, and I'll tell you why, and he would go through A, B, C, D. And then he'd say, okay, sing the song again. So the singer would go, he'd stop him, and he'd say, I didn't see you breathe. Let me see you breathe, and see you go through it, breathing exercises. Okay, let me hear you sing it again. Mm-hmm. raw stop. You didn't say the word correctly. You know, let's sing it again. raw stop. You, the comma. Did you see the comma there at the end? Of this? <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. know, and merciless. I mean, he would just go on and on and on. And if the student ever got the chance or had the chance to sing through the song again during the hour lesson that they had, he'd be really, really lucky because my father would stop them over and over and over again. Why? Why did you do it like this? What are you thinking about? Who are you supposed to be? This song is a script. Pretend that it's a script and you're the the actor. What are you trying to say? What's the emotion you're trying to convey? Over and over and over again. So that's part of it, watching my dad.
0: You're different. From Give that. lessons,
1: but <laughs> but what he was trying to get them to do was to be themselves and to be free. He Was trying just right. trying to remind them who they were, you know. Because a lot of them, a lot of singers come to a, a lesson, and and they're, they're looking for themselves. They need somebody to sculpt them. But what my dad was trying to get them to see was, you know, it's okay to be yourself. You know, this is you, you need to find out who you are because that's what people are interested in. So, what if you 've got an absolutely astoundingly beautiful voice, so what you yeah, know right. they want to see you you know you know if you, do you ever watch American Idol?
0: <laughs> My children yeah, watch it I, I try I sure. try
1: you know these singers have these wonderful voices you know I'm, you know, every yeah, once in a right. while, I thought to myself, if I was asked to be like a guest judge on the show would i would I volunteer would I do it i don't know uh, but but, you know, these singers, God bless them. God bless them because they have wonderful instruments. They have a wonderful voice. They can sing well. They can sing in tune most of the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Uh, they have wonderful instruments. But my father would say, okay, so what? So what you've got a wonderful instrument? So what? You can sing in tune. So what? You know, big deal. You know, what we want is the core, your, your, your essence. We want your essence. That's what we want to hear more than anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he was after, and I think that's what I got from him. Why I do what I do is because I'm on. I'm, I'm looking for that constantly. You
0: look for for it in a really different way, though, right? In you, a very different. You draw way. it out of people, yeah. maybe rather than right pushing, yeah. pulling it out, pulling it, out. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I want to talk to you about uh, spirituality in your in your work, and it's a hard thing to talk about. Um, Why? It's in your music. It's hard to put words around. It's it is. hard to That's what to put I mean. It's around. hard to put good enough words around.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And I don't even think we could do justice to it with words. If we, you know, talking about it in your music, right. but can we try? We can. <laughs> I mean, here's something I wanted to read to you. Uh, this was just some some person on the internet writing about vocabularies, which is your 2010 mm-hmm. album, and he's kind of wary about spirituality and in general and um, and he said this of you he said he, and so he's 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 actually trying to trying to make it work he says he may be spiritual of bobby McFerrin, but he apparently knows the world of the flesh as well and has a very wicked sense of humor <laughs> now what's interesting to me is he's writing that as though those things are at odds but i think that that gets at some of the features of your spirituality, that yes. it's fleshly and, <laughs> and yes. humorous.
1: But isn't it true, though, that it, it's, a, it's a constant, constant battle between the spirit and the flesh that hmm. we live through every single day? Everyone has the spirit. Everyone is spiritual in the sense it's, it's that the spirit is the animating factor of our lives. Without the spirit, we couldn't be alive. I sincerely believe... You know, I remember when uh, my wife's mother died, she said that when the moment that her mother died... She knew that what she was looking at was no longer her mother because the spirit had left her body. Right. And it's the spirit that animates our life. But every day from the moment that you get up until the the hour that you go to bed, you are battling. Your spirit and your flesh are battling for dominance hmm. constantly. You know, you know that. The right thing to do is to not say what's on your mind, even though it might be true (laughs) and even though it might be necessary, but it's not kind. Mm -hmm. But you want to say it anyway. You're battling with the flesh and the spirit. The flesh says, just get it off your chest. And the spirit says, no, wait. You know, think, you know, pause, find the right word or the right time. Maybe now is not the time to do it. I mean, it's a constant war so what this guy is saying is absolutely true but it's true for everyone mm-hmm. you know
0: but the spirituality in your music is embodied right it's fleshly too I and mean, that joy that joy that we you talked about that 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 transformative thing that happens when you start singing is not just it's not just about the sound it's it's something that's happening in your whole body and and music has that transformative effect of effect on a listener as well.
1: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I know in ninety minutes of performing on stage or being on stage is that uh, I'm in the battle with the flesh, and I'm going to win. You know, at the end of you know, for ninety minutes, I'm victorious. Right. You know, I'm going to win this battle because mm-hmm. that's what it's that's what it's all about. You know, singing to me is like singing through the spirit.
2: Mm.
1: You know, once I had I had an interesting experience once I was in Paris. And I had four nights at this fabulous theater. And at the end of the first night, a woman came backstage, and she introduced herself, so-and-so, and and, uh, said that she had spent a year studying with this uh, well-known ethnomusicologist at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Uh, They had been studying African languages, particularly African languages that had been uh, extinct, or near extinction, so, in other words, this person evidently came into some information or some documentation of of tribes that were on the edge of extinction that had their own you know social system and language system and whatever
2: right
1: and uh, and so he came back to America and was teaching these languages to you know students at the university and she She was one of his students, and she came backstage and said. She introduced who she was and she says, I want to know how you know these languages that I have been studying for the last year because I heard you singing them. Now,
2: I said, yeah,
1: I said to her, well, I hate to disappoint you, but I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I just open up my mouth and I sing whatever comes out, you know. (laughs) You know, because to me, that is a language and, the, and it sounds better than that just sounds a lot more interesting. Yeah. She says, "Well, you know, I heard, you know, I heard moments when you were singing these sounds, these languages, you know, that I had been working on. I want to know how you know them." And I said, "Well, I don't know them." And I I hate to disappoint you. But what that got me thinking about was the fact that we are we are embodied memories. Mm. of our ancestors. I have my father in me. I have information in my head. I know my dad. I can tell you stories about my dad because he told me them or I watched them. And he in turn is a memory of his father and so on and so on and so on. So I began to think, well, am I, you know, am I accessing a memory when I sing? And this is the only way I can access it but is through my voice. You know, is that, is this the way I get to it? I find that actually kind of interesting.
0: That's really interesting. You
1: know, it's like an ancestral memory. Like we all have it, you know, so how far back does it go? I mean, maybe it goes all the way back, you know.
0: You think singing is older than language? That music is older than words?
1: Um, I don't know for sure. And I, I, don't, I just don't want to open up my mouth to say anything because it sounds good, but I don't really know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: But I, I, guess, I guess also what I'm getting at in that question, and obviously neither one of us can answer it, is whether music is an especially powerful way to access some of the, those memories.
1: Do I think that? Oh, absolutely. Do I think that, it, that music is a, is a tool for more than entertainment, Definitely, is it a tool for inner attainment? I use it for that. I use it to pray. You know, I sing my prayers in, in my room mm. in the morning in my morning discipline. You know, I walk the floor back and forth, back and forth, and pray. And sometimes, all of a sudden, I just start singing something because it's the best way I can get it out. You know, I can't get it out any other way. Sometimes i walk back and forth. I don't even know what to pray about. I just start singing, and something comes up, and so I just latch onto that and start praying about that. Mm. You know,
0: how do you think about uh, mystery, is that a word you use
1: I do, I use it quite a bit I love the mystery of improvisation you never know what's going to happen in fact as a conductor um, I hated over rehearsing for the simple reason that I didn't want to take all the mystery out of the music making if I gave all the instructions and the directions to the musicians and they knew exactly what I was going to do every single time we did it there's no reason for them to look at me you know mm-hmm. You know, because they know everything's going to happen in advance. So I would kind of under-rehearse a little bit because I wanted them to wonder what the music was going to be like that night, you know. I mean, I'm an improviser. You know, the first time I stood in front of an orchestra and looked over at the bass section and saw eight double basses there, I could not understand... When I went over to, you know, went over to the bassist one day and I said, at the concert tonight, let's play blues and B-flat. Well, and they said, well, I don't know how to play a blues and B-flat. I was completely dumbfounded. I thought that every bass player <laughs> could play a B-flat blues, you know, so, just to show you how naive I was about it. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, mystery. We have yeah. talked about mystery. I yeah. love mystery. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. I'm looking forward to finding out. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's what it's all about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've also heard you use another word that has lovely religious connotations redeeming. Redeeming music qualities. It has to be redeeming. It has to be redeeming, yeah. What do you mean when you say
2: that?
1: Well, I think it was a reaction of, you know, I listen to, sometimes I listen to the radio, and I'm absolutely appalled and shocked at some of the things that are being spewed out of people's mouths and going into into our ears and especially very young ears during very formative years you know some of these children are listening to some frighteningly wicked and violent things that are coming out of the airwaves and uh, when I have an opportunity to to talk to to kids about music you know one of the things I say to them constantly is Is we need some music that has a redemptive quality, music that lifts people up, something that's positive, life affirming. You know, Uh, we need that kind of music on the airways. We need to hear more and more and more of that. You know, because music has become now a vehicle for very violent thinking. You know, and some Mm -hmm. children are just not—they just shouldn't be listening to this stuff.
0: Now, your son, one of your—your son is a musician. Yeah. Taylor, right. Um, I often find with the, some of these phenomena of what's really bad in the world today, there's often just a parallel. It's opposite. That's you know, it's both and. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you I, do you also find that they are ready for that message of redemptive music? Oh, my and kids putting are uh, the, definitely. Out
1: there? They 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 know me. They understand it. They they know what my soapbox is, and they they dig it, and they're with it, and they're for it. Unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I can say for all three of my kids, they, they. They know music is a very powerful tool for transformative, uh, for transforming people's lives. Yeah. You know, it is and the kids you talk power. to as well. Yeah. Do
0: they also? Do they? Do they? Is this something they know? Do you feel? I don't
1: know how m- much they know, mm-hmm. but you know, if they don't, I'm here to tell you that we need music that's uplifting and powerful. You know, mm-hmm. powerful in a in a positive sense. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because wicked, wicked things are powerful too. You know, evil things are powerful.
2: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Music is powerful enough to counter some of that, isn't it?
1: Definitely, you can almost tell sort of the the, the state of the times through the music that you hear. You know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to watch the news anymore. Just sit down and listen to the radio, listen to mm. some of the music that's coming out of the airwaves, and you, you could probably figure out what's going on in the world, mm. what's going right, what's going wrong.
0: Wow. We have to finish, but I just want to ask you, uh, gosh, I kind of feel like we've circled around some of this stuff about mystery and what is sacred and spiritual, and and as I, as I acknowledge, it's it's hard to... To get at those things with mm. words, and mm-hmm. maybe circling around is the best you can do. But is there anything you'd want to say um, about any of that that feels really important to you?
1: Well, you know, pe- people say, you know, say to me, you know, you're a pretty spiritual guy, right? Or you're a pretty religious guy. Well, you know, I'm a Christian. I grew up in the Christian church, and and I read scripture every day. I study that book. I study study the Bible probably more than any other book. I'm very, very curious about it. It's deep and it's mysterious. And it should be if it's God's book, you know, and if we understood everything about it, then it wouldn't be all that deep and it wouldn't be all that mysterious. <laughs> yeah. So I, I read it constantly. Uh, I, I wish people, you know, when people say, who is God to you? I had to go to, you know, the chapter that says God is love. You know, that's the very, very, very first thing. And then I had to also go to the first words in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, our Father. So we're all brothers and sisters. You know, there's lots of stuff that we're just not going to get about each other or understand about each other. Lots of disagreements we're going to have every single day. But civility must never leave the table. We need to be civil. We need to be kind. First Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter in the mm-hmm. Bible, you know, and it tells you what love is. And the first thing it says is it's patient and it's kind, you know. And if we just had more people practicing that, so what if we don't agree on a lot of stuff? So as long as we're patient with one another and we're kind to one another, to me that's the essence of spirituality and religion. That's what it's all about. You know, I'm sure when the Dalai Lama is around, he's going to be talking a lot about kindness and being kind. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this movie called, um, what was it called? The Lost Horizon? Long, long, it's a great, great movie. It's about Shangri-La.
0: Oh, yeah, right.
1: And, um... And, uh... So this, this uh diplomat I guess is kidnapped and brought to Shangri-La and he meets the the old Lama who's sort of the head of the, the clan and he and it turns out he's like two hundred and something years old. You know, and the and the thing that it comes out of his mouth is, you know, the thing that he's trying to teach people more than anything else is to be kind. Mm. We need this more than anything, more than Talking about stuff more than all this political rank, rancor that's,
2: yeah.
1: you know, that's just spewed all over the headlines. I mean, it's getting really crazy out there. Mm-hmm. It's getting stupid. There's a lot of stupid stuff out there. But even those people, you know, need our kindness. They need our love. They need, uh, and, and we need to practice that as best as we can, you know.
0: I'm gonna hang on to that idea you have that one of the best things to do when you feel like being unkind is to sing it's something. To sing right. Something. What, so any advice about what to sing? Just burst into song?
1: Oh, gee. <laughs> just burst into any you know, anything I guess that just sort of deflects your mood or helps you to reflect and see you know what you need to take care of at the time.
2: Mm.
1: You know? It's very difficult, isn't it? I mean it's extraordinarily difficult, but if it if it wasn't then it wouldn't be worth as much I think mm. you know
2: mm.
0: thank you you're welcome yeah.
1: thank you we could, but we could go on though. I We know, could we could talk I some more like what is could, it just an hour
0: it's just an hour and
2: I'm,
1: but it you know can, I've had some interviews where the hour, the hour is like oh please <laughs> <laughs> let's get this over with please you know, well, five oh, five minutes we've only been on for five minutes <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I know, I'd like to think if I'd like to watch what happened if we got to keep going for an hour, but maybe we'll get to do that some other yeah, time. Yeah. This is great, but also what's fabulous about modern technology is we'll get to weave your music into the oh, interview. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we'll have, there will be many layers Okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it was yeah, very it was nice. great to meet you. Nice to
1: meet yeah, you, too. You. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> Take care. How many kids do you
0: have? I have a 17-year-old daughter who wants to be a musician. Wow. And a son. So they've been listening to you with me, too.
1: And where is your daughter thinking about going to school?
2: Um,
0: she doesn't know. Uh, she also, I think to her credit, it's a virtue that she lives in the present. She's junior, but she's really, I, she's, um, she's not focused on the future. Right. right. She's just not getting there
1: See, that's the other thing about, uh, that I love about improvisation, that very thing, is that you are in the present. You are so into right,
0: it. Right, right. So into the present. And she loves improvisation. In theater as
2: well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure, Let me that's go that's
0: do... what makes it a spiritual discipline. Yeah.
1: yeah. See ya. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Okay, you Thank, you. Thank you so much. We'll
0: let you know what's happening with this okay, and send sure. it to you yeah. at all uh, You know where you're going. Take I do. We work yes. here. <laughs> I'll share my cookies with somebody. And you're not going to have to go far to have taggers on That was,